This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I've been thinking about this passage in 1 Timothy for a while now, and not like I've been actively working on a study or anything on it, but it's one that, I don't know, for some reason, a phrase out of this passage just pops into my head every now and then, and I, I think about it, and I've always thought, one of these days I'm going to preach a sermon on that, and this afternoon you're going to get it. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 5 through 8, where we see the phrase, godliness with contentment. I was blessed by being raised by who I think are content people. I've been very blessed by marrying a woman who is a very content woman. She doesn't need a lot. She doesn't ask for a lot. Uh, and I've been very thankful uh, for being able to be around people who are content. Uh, I don't feel like I'm as content as those people. And I feel like that's something that, that I need work on. Uh, and so certainly... And going over this the last week or so, there's been things in my life recently that have made this really stick out in my mind. Let's read our text. Uh, these three verses in 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world... And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. <clears throat> so there, there it is. Pretty self-explanatory. And, and I want to focus on that phrase, godliness with contentment. And I, I told myself that the point of this sermon is going to be contentment. It's not going to be covetousness. It's not going to be greed or, or selfishness or pride. And in reality, that's impossible to talk about being content without talking about some of those things. And I've tried my best not to do that, but you'll see how, how miserably I failed as we go throughout the study. As we look at this passage here, uh, we see here, that supposing that gain is godliness, and we've heard of people who, who've thought that way. We've, you've heard of people who talk about a prosperity gospel and we can see that that's not true. I love every one of you. I hope this, you don't take this as an insult, but you can tell by looking at everybody here that gain's not godliness, right? There's a lot of godly people here that you're not multimillionaires. You're not crazy wealthy. And we know because that's because gain isn't godliness. To be godly doesn't mean that you're going to gain. And then the teaching in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And I suppose we will have great gain in our lives if we can learn how to be godly while being content. And apparently that's a challenge. Apparently that's not something that's so easy to do. You know, God made this world how it is. Or some of it obviously is because of sin and because of Satan that we have to deal with these temptations we have to deal with things in life. But I suppose just as easily... The verse could say that godliness is great gain. Now, wouldn't that be easy? If godliness was gain, we'd have to bring more chairs in here, wouldn't we? If godliness was gain, that 
all the churches would be overflowing and it'd be easy to, to have a church. It'd be easy to, to be a Christian. But godliness isn't gain. I tell you, it'd be really easy if just contentment was great gain, right? It could just as easily say that, that contentment is great gain. And if you'll be content, then you'll gain a lot of things. And obviously here, the two-word gains mean a little bit differently. But in reality, they have to both be present for this great gain that's talked about here. You can't just be godly and expect great gain. You can't just be content and expect great gain. But godliness with the contentment is where we find great gain. And like I said just now, that these two types of gain are a little bit differently. And in verse number five gain, we're talking about a more monetary, earthly type of gain. And the verse number six where it says great gain, apparently and obviously it's not talking about physical gain or earthly gain, but rather spiritual gain, which should be our goal, everyone's goal. So I want to look at it, just three or four points here. I don't remember. I, there's three or four. I promise I put this sermon together. There's three or four points here that I want to talk about uh, around this verse and around being content people. And I, I tried to keep it away from covetousness, but my first point is there's a warning here against covetousness. In Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of of the things which he possesseth. We have this great warning against being covetous and against being covetous people. And anytime we see a warning like this in the scriptures, it's not for fun, it's because that's our nature to want to do that thing. It's our nature to want to be covetous people. And it's not our nature to be content people. And we'll see that as we look at a few of the other verses that we're gonna look at here in just a while. Yeah, we need to take heed. In other words, that's something that we have to be aware of constantly, to take heed, to beware of. Something that we have to be on guard and be watchful of, for me, on a pretty regular basis. Because if not, then I'm going to start to think that, and my life will start consisting of, the things that I own or the things that I do or the things that I like. And that, in a nutshell, is is the warning here we see in Luke chapter 12. So why do we covet? Like I said, it's, it's human nature. It's, it's, it's a natural thing for us to covet and to want and to desire things. But as we think of why and what we covet, I started thinking a little bit beyond some of these verses that, that we're about to look at right now. And, you know, oftentimes we... We are jealous people, and we want all the good things to happen to us. And so much so that we'll look at our friends and our family, people that we're close to, and we don't want bad things to happen to them, but we don't want things to happen to them that are better than what happens to us, right? I think we've all probably can remember some times when maybe we felt that way. I've got some great friends in life, and you know what? There's been times ashamed to say it, something good happens, and you feel a little jealous about that. And it's not that I didn't want something good to happen to them, but I want them to be well off. I just don't want them to be as well off as I am. I want, I want them to be really well off, and then I want to be right there. 
I don't know what, you know, that's just a selfish and a prideful way of looking at that. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. What an interesting way of putting that. He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. I know I talk about basketball a lot in examples when I speak, but I, I couldn't help but think about basketball. You know, this year for the uh, first time in years, I've been able to watch a, a lot of different Oklahoma City Thunder games. We bought this package uh, through the NBA where we can watch all the Thunder games except for very few. They, pay, they play 82 games in a season. That's a lot of games. And they may block out 10 or 7 or 5 of them or something where I don't get to watch them if they're on national TV or something. I get to watch a lot of games. I love watching those games. And I, I know when they play. I keep up with their schedule and I, I like to enjoy that. And I may not watch the whole game, but I may get to catch some of it or watch a little bit of it in the evening. And you know, I, I, I look forward to their next game. My favorite game is their next one, Right? I look forward to their next game, and I'm excited about that game. And then as soon as that game's over, you know what? I'm looking forward to the next game. He that loves the Thunder games will not be satisfied with the Thunder games. I've been to a lot of games, and you know what? I always want to go to another one. Heard somebody say once, it may have been Pappy, I don't remember, what's your favorite chicken fried steak? The next one. <laughs> the one I'm about to eat is my favorite chicken fried steak, Right? And that's just because we're vain people. We're human and we're vain. And we're not satisfied with the things that we would say we love the most in this life. They don't satisfy us. The point here is obviously talking about uh, financial gain and, and maybe even income. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. Some people, they get so caught up and they get so... Uh, obsessed with watching their income go up each and every year and that's what they strive for and they work for that and they they just want to see their their business grow and their that dollar get bigger and bigger each and every year and this is vanity yeah, but we can all we all recognize that we do that sometimes don't we and we have to a little bit because we need money to survive I've learned this. I thought I knew that before I got married and had a baby. You need money to survive. And it takes a lot of it. And maybe that's why or some of the things that we covet. But we see here in Ecclesiastes that all this is vanity. All this is vain. It's so, so vain. You probably think this sermon's about you, don't you? Because it is so vain. We are vain people. If we keep reading from our original text, a verse that I highlighted on a sermon probably about a year ago when I talked about riches, let's, let's pick up where we left off a while ago. But they that will be rich, and when we see this, they that will be, uh, that phrase that will be rich means those who desire it, those who lust after it, those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil 
which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The, the more we desire these things, the more foolish and hurtful lust we fall into. And haven't we seen that in people's lives before? But we still think for some reason, oh, that won't happen to me. Well, that's not going to happen to me. I, we all know that the love of money is the root of all evil, but there's nobody in here who wouldn't take a, a pay raise. Sometimes we play with that fire. And why do we covet? It's, it's our nature. It's something very easy for us to slip into. As we try to talk more now about being content, <clears throat> let's look at Matthew 23 and verse number 12. I saw this uh, pattern in the scriptures. Uh, something that happens throughout the, the New Testament in different, different areas. And I thought that there was something to this as we, as we go and look at Paul here in just a moment. In Matthew 23 and verse number 12 it says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. While this verse has nothing to do with being content or, or being covetous or, or anything that we're talking about today, we see this understanding here this, through the scriptures this idea that those who are lifted up will be brought down and those who bring themselves down and humble themselves will be lifted up. And we've seen that taught in other ways and in other uh, areas of the scripture. Uh, like we see in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. We see this pattern that, that goes on here as well. Teaching about different things even. In Matthew chapter 3, uh, 5, verse 3, rather, says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so whenever we think about somebody who's poor in spirit, we don't necessarily think that about that being a good thing, but being brought down lower is actually to be raised up, is to get a blessing. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We don't think of mourning being a good thing, but we think of mourning being in a, in a low position, in a low, a low spot. But actually, those that mourn are the ones who are comforted. A few verses later, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We see those that are persecuted, and we would certainly never say that's a good thing, a, a thing that would be bless, a blessing, but instead that is. And then finally in verse 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake. We're blessed, actually, whenever these bad things happen to us. We see this less is more taught throughout the scriptures. And I thought I might make a Charmin joke here, but I did the you're so vain deal, so I'll leave that one to your imagination. So, the verse I want to bring us to now, the verse that, that this is leading up to, where Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, in a couple verses here. <clears throat> he quotes Jesus, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? In weakness. He shows this less is more idea that we've seen taught in other ways, in other times in the scriptures. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me therefore I take pleasure 
Paul took pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is a, a poster child for contentment. Paul was as content as, as a person can be at this moment right here. This is what this is probably beyond what's even called of us, I might think. He is he is being so content right now. Paul said he took pleasures in these things. And one of those things that I want to highlight is he said he took pleasure in necessities. And what does that mean? And what what he means there is he took pleasure in when he says in necessities, meaning when he didn't have his necessities. He took pleasure when he was in times of great need. And you could even say, looking at some of the Greek words and some of the teaching on this this exact phrase here, that he took pleasure when he didn't have those necessities, and meaning the necessities of life, being food or being shelter or being the very basics. And we see that this was a blessing for Paul to be in that position. What a strange thought that is for me. Here when I covet some very extravagant things, some things that I certainly could never ever put into the necessities category. And then here's Paul over here and he says, I took pleasure when I didn't have food. I took pleasure when I didn't have shelter. I took pleasure in those things because he understood this idea that less was actually more. He, took, he understood that because it was for Christ's sake that he did those things. And he knew that made him stronger to do those things for Christ. That makes me feel ashamed to think of some of the things that I've coveted or some of the ways I've acted about some things I wanted. and Maybe it wasn't a bad thing to have those items or whatever it was I wanted, but I was going to make sure I did whatever I needed to do in order to get them. And then there's Paul over there, and he took pleasure in weakness. So finally, as we begin to wrap up a couple more verses, this is what keeps you content. And I, I looked at just a couple things here. You certainly could go on and on. But one of them was right there in the text we read already. In 1 Timothy 6 and 7, it says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. One thing that keeps us content is just having a realization, having an understanding and knowledge of this verse right here. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Another thing is our mindset. Proverbs 22 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. You know who made rich people? God. <laughs> you know who made poor people? God. We all come from the same place, and I hope we're all going to the same place. Proverbs says a name is better than riches. I suppose if you've made a poll right now and said, would you rather have a million dollars or be well thought of? There ain't nobody would be taking the name. They'd all want the riches. But in reality, a good name is, is so much better than riches. 
Philippians 4 verse 11 says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Life has a way of throwing curveballs at people. Life has a way of, of bringing people down a, a step, maybe when they're at their highest of highs and maybe when they're at their lowest of lows. And being content is all about mindset. I didn't have to tell you that. Being content is all about your mindset and telling yourself that you will be content, that you will be happy with what you have, that you know that you're taken care of, you know that you're blessed. And we have to be able to do that in every situation, whether we're high or low, whether we're brought low or, or whether we're abounding, whether we're in times of plenty or whether, honestly, whether we're hungry, we need to learn how and have that mindset to be content. And finally, in James chapter 4, it says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and that then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. We focus on verse 14 when we read this passage most of the time. And it's an important verse. It's an it's a intriguing verse. We don't know what's going to be on the morrow. What's our life? It's a vapor. And we always say, oh, life really is a vapor. It really does pass by so quickly. But right before that, here we see James highlighting this person who says, oh, we're going to go do this and we're going to make a whole bunch of money and, man, we're going to be happy. We're going to go over here and do this for a while. It's going to be great. And that's when he gives this warning. Be careful. You don't know what's about to happen. In other words, in verse 15, he says, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And that verse 15 there, that, that reminds me a lot of, of our reading in First Timothy about being content. You know, we might, we might be somebody who makes a whole bunch of money in life. We might be somebody who makes very little money in life. We might have things we're looking forward to, places we want to go, things we want to do. But in reality, if we focus on verse 15 rather than verse 14, we'll say, if the Lord wills, we'll, we'll go, whatever, whatever's on the agenda for God, that's what'll happen, and we'll be happy with it. And the point is here, we'll be content. If the Lord live, we shall do this or do that. If we'll be a content person. Barnes said in his commentary on 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, one, of the, one of the verses there, I don't remember which one it was, which was, it sealed the deal for me on wanting to, to put a sermon together on this. I just thought it was really good and I didn't write it down, so I'm going to paraphrase, if you will, go look that up. He says, it takes but little of this world's goods to satisfy a man who knows that he belongs to a different country. And I really thought that was uh, an amazing way to close up our sermon this afternoon. It takes but little of this world's goods to satisfy a man who knows he's of a different country. 
And that really hit me hard, and that really, that really made me think. How, how much am I, does it, is it going to take to satisfy me in life? Well, the more it's going to take to satisfy me shows me how much I believe that I'm a citizen of a different country. You know what, if we know that we're not going to be living here for very long, if we know that we're going to die and that life is a vapor and that there's an eternity waiting, and if we live our life focusing on that fact, we'll be a whole lot less worried about how much stuff we've got here in this life, therefore making us a content person. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.